Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Shoftim Chapter 5. Shalom. Today we study the Shirat Dvorah. And if you look on the page, Shirat Dvorah is written in a special format on the page. Ariach al It is written like bricks, the same way as we see with Shirat Hayam. And we already spoke last time about the connections between the events of Kriyat Yamsuf, where the chariots get stuck in the sea, and here. Our story about Dvorah and Barak and Sisra, where Sisra's chariots get stuck. Today we're going to relate to three separate topics in Shirat Dvorah. So the first one, we talk about Eretz Ra'asha Gamshamaim Natafu. The land shook, the heavens dripped, Gam Avim Natfumaim. The clouds dripped water, Harim Nazlu Hashem. The hills themselves oozed water before God. Zesinai mipnei Hashem Elohei Israel. This is Sinai. This is Sinai. What are they referring to? And last time I, I made allusion to this, but I didn't really prove it. That in fact the key event was a, a, a sudden storm. That suddenly it started raining. I think you hear this from the language here. Shamaim natafu the heavens dripping, um, harim nazlu, the hills oozing, and this notion of Sinai, because of course Sinai was the occasion when there were kolot ubrakim, there was thunder and lightning, and this is um, established later on in the Shiratayam, in the Shira of Dvorah, sorry, excuse me, where it talks about how minashamayim nilchamu, God fought from the heavens. Hakochavim, even the stars, Nilchamu im Sisra, Nachal Kishon Grafam. Nachal Kishon, the Kishon stream, goes from the bottom of the Gilboa all the way through the Jezreel Valley and comes out at Akko. And as as I'm saying, if there is a sudden downpour, the, the valley of Jezreel totally gets flooded and it becomes impassable. It becomes a muddy river, especially the Nachal Kishon, the Kishon stream. And it continues, Nachal Kdumim, Nachal Kishon, Tidrashi Az, Az Hazmuk Then the horses couldn't ride. And what we have to imagine is that the Kishon is bursting its banks. We have the hills oozing water because suddenly there are rivers coming from every single direction. And simply the valley of Jezreel, the Jezreel Valley, becomes impassable. And the entire strategy of Sisra in coming to attack the Israelites who are on foot gets upended. So the first thing to realize is that allusion to Sinai is the kolotu brakim, it's the sudden storm. And this is supported by so many phrases here in Shirat Dvorah. The second topic is the way that Dvorah uses this song in order to take account or to settle accounts, one might say, with some of the tribes. And let me read a couple of uh, of lines. She says, Ephraim came out, Binyamin came out, 
מיני מחיר ירדו מחוקקים ומוזמנו מושכים בשבט סופר, ושרי ביששכר עם דבורה, ויששכר כן ברק, ועמק שולח רגליו. Here she lifts all of the good tribes who all came out to help, whether it's Ephraim, Ephraim was the tribe where Devorah sat, or even Binyamin, or Zvolun, or Yisachar. However, in the very next segment in Pasuk Tetvav, she lists those who didn't come to war. So first, Ruvain, Lama yashavta beina mishpatayim? Why did you sit amongst the, between the rocks? listening to the sounds of your cattle, that Ruvain were cowards, essentially. Gilad, she's talking about Menashe across the Yardin. You didn't come out to help. And Dan were busy with their ships. Asher was simply on the beach. He was on the coastline. And he remained in place while Zavulun and Naftali risked their lives. In other words, Devorah here is acting as a true national leader. She is taking the tribes to account. And she lists those who aided the war effort and those who simply remained at a distance, aloof totally disjointed, uncaring, and unhealthy. It's interesting that within this context, there are certain tribes that are not mentioned whatsoever. For example, Yehuda and Shimon. Could it be that they are so far down south that one couldn't really anticipate that they would come to help in the war effort? But whichever way a national leader surveys the entire nation and assesses who is um, who has acted positively, and who has acted treacherously. And that is exactly the case here, as uh, Devorah um, takes to task those uh, tribes who didn't help and praises those who did. Our third topic relates to the role of women in Sefer Shoftim, because in this book we see quite a prominent role that women are given whether here in the story of Devorah, where we have Devorah as a heroine, as well as Yael. We're going to meet other women. For example, the despot, the tyrant, Avimelech, is also killed by a woman. We have the role of Yiftach's daughter. We have the role of um, Shimshon's mother, Eshet Manoach, and even the role of Delilah. Uh, a lot of coverage given to women. And many people have said that usually in a patriarchal society, this is evidence of the degree to which there is a dearth of leadership in this book. That even the male hero of our story, Barak, is unable to muster up the courage unless a woman goes with him. And it's lovely that women get this very prominent role. But if you want, in a sort of reverse compliment, it's a result of the fact that men are really not leading, that there is an, a vacuum of leadership, and it's filled by women. In this regard, I'd like to report, uh, I'd like to relate a, a episode that happened to me some time ago in a bookshop in Israel. I was buying a book, and I went to the counter to pay for it. And there was a woman and a man behind the counter. The man was deeply involved reading a book. And 
I turned to the woman and I said, what's going on? Like, he seems like he's involved. And he said, no, we're having an argument and he's looking it up. So then I was really curious and I said to her, okay, so what's the book? Where's he looking it up? And he said, he's looking in the Tanakh. I said, what's he looking up, which is so fascinating. And he says, well, she said, we're having an argument. And the argument, she looked a little bashful. Um, she said, the argument is about uh, Yael. Did Yael, was she sexually intimate with Sisra? Yes or no? I'm claiming she wasn't, and he's claiming he was. So I turned around, I couldn't resist. And I said, you know, you're actually both right. You're both correct. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, it depends whether you read chapter 4 or chapter 5. How did Yael lure Sisra? What was the trap? In chapter 4, what it says is, she says to him, Come to me, don't be afraid. And then she says, let me give you water. And later she opens up the flask of chalav, and she gives him to drink and she covers him. And that's it. And it seems like he falls asleep. He's been fighting all day. And then she murders him. However, when you look at chapter 5, you see a different story completely. If you look at verse 27, He fell between her legs. And it mentions twice, between Yael's legs, he fell. Where he fell, that's where he was vanquished. And of course, chapter 5 is claiming that something far more sexual went on. And uh, sometimes it's interesting that Tanakh gives in different parallel chapters different vantage points. Why chapter 4 gives the more censored version and chapter 5 the more explicit version, I'm not really quite sure. But uh, I've heard various theories, but I'll let you think about it. In the meantime, we'll see each other tomorrow for the story of Gidon. Thank you.